can feel like the weight of this evening or is it like the lecture that I just gave on? <laughs> Like, this is going to be a powerful night, and I'm really excited. Oh, please, God, don't let me screw up. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Was that Giselle? <laughs> You're going to be fine. You are You are the only one who's new to Trans Tuesday tonight, right? Well, I've watched before. I uh, found it hugely valuable. So Yeah, we watched, uh, the, I think, The Spouses. Uh, yeah, no, The Spouses episodes have been... Uh, very insightful and very helpful. Oh, that's wonderful. No, I meant I meant on the screen, but thank you. Okay. Welcome on to the show for the very first time. I am not seeing our live pop up. Is anybody else seeing it? Yeah. Yeah. It's live on Facebook recording. Yeah, I've got it. Ah, here we go. Boy, Facebook, I think you're gonna give me another tough one again tonight. All right. Yes. And it's already 8.03, so I am going to go ahead and get us started because as I told Karen when we chatted on the phone earlier today, I have a feeling this is going to be a long one, <laughs> so hopefully we're able to wrap it up at a decent time for everybody, but I know that tonight is a, a powerful conversation and I'm really excited to be hosting all of you for it. Uh, for anybody who is um, joining us, welcome. What you are watching is Trans Tuesday, and as I always say, it's my favorite night of the week. I was already holding back the tears before going live, so we will see what happens tonight. Um, I am Cassandra Storm, your host, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And tonight, our club members are leading a discussion panel on how to prepare for affirmation surgery. And I'd like to acknowledge all of our club members in this panel, so please wave and say hello. Uh, when I call your name, and I'm going to go from the top to bottom of my screen. So welcome, Erica Fremont and Gabby Morgan and Georgette Corneo. Hi. Bronwyn Drew. Hello. Karen Kendra Holmes. Hello. Grace Ferris. Hello. And Danny Butler. And we are welcoming uh, our very special guests, a uh, wonderful face returning to the screen who we all love and adore, Beth Taylor. And for the first time, her wife this evening, thank you so much for taking your time to join us, Giselle. Oh, what a beautiful crew that we have. Um, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, My Feminine Heart is a membership club with a private online community and an interactive online show. We feature Tuesday nights, just like this, called Trans Tuesday. And tonight we welcome live comments and questions in our Facebook chat as we discuss how to prepare mentally, physically, and emotionally for any type of affirmation surgery, any type of, type of surgery that you're having um, from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. And before we begin, I would like to share a really important message as to how we will be addressing this evening. So let me bring that up so everybody can see it. Here we go. So just an information disclaimer, it's the first time we've shared one on the show. Uh, neither myself, Cassandra Storm, My Feminine Heart, Cassandra Storm Photography Inc., nor any of the guests on this evening's show, Trans Tuesday by My Feminine Heart are medical experts. This is a forum for sharing advice to prepare for the mental, emotional, and physical aftermath of the trauma of surgery. 
The information on this show and in this Facebook chat, including but not limited to text, graphics, images, and other material contained are for informational purposes only. No information shared in this episode is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment, and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this episode. So what we are doing this evening is we are going to share all the advice surrounding surgery, preparing for and surviving after, and um, you know some of our personal experiences to help all of you, but we will not be going into any specific medical advice or details on any medical effort, experts, um, medical professionals, facilities, things like that. But if there's anything else that we can share, we are happy to do that for you. Oh my goodness, we have so many people checked in with us already. Hi everybody, thank you so much. Welcome Donna, welcome Rami, welcome Alaria. Welcome, Catherine. It's so beautiful to have all of you this evening. So uh, this episode is really special. One thing that we noticed, um, I think we've all kind of felt the communal heartbreak in the community as we watch the surgeries of some of ourselves and some of friends get canceled and postponed throughout um, 2020 because of COVID-19. And because of that, we have seen so many of our club members having surgeries in the last, you know, six, eight, 12 months. And because so many of our members are now um, having the fulfillment of their affirmation, affirmation surgeries or are looking forward to them in the approximate future, we wanted to have this discussion this evening while it's still recent for so many of our members or upcoming. One of the um, things that really inspired this episode, I have to credit, was a conversation with Beth Taylor, uh, who shared this incredible amount of research and preparation for her wife Giselle's surgery. And, um, you know, the two of you are such an amazing couple. I thank you both for coming on and sharing your story with us this evening. Beth and Giselle, in, in the best way that you can, how would you share the story of how you prepared? How far in advance did you start getting ready, um, Beth, for Giselle's surgery? And I'd love to know what other spouses out there can do to help prepare their spouse for surgery. Um, so I would say that preparing, is a lot more about preparing me than preparing Giselle because Giselle, once she made up her mind that, hey, she wanted this gender affirming surgery, and it was about like basically selling it to me and selling that it was going to be the right thing for her. And, you know, you know, talking with our therapist, you know, our therapist is a huge part of this whole equation, even like, you know, because Giselle before had not been planning to have bottom surgery. And suddenly she came to me and she's like, I changed my mind. There's this procedure um, called, is it okay? Yeah, yeah, called yeah. vulvoplasty, you know, and it's not nearly as invasive as vaginoplasty. And I'm like, okay, okay show that to me. And so this was the kind of the first step of educating me on what she wanted, what the options were, you know, what kind of surgeons were available to do this. Um, you know, and then talking with a therapist about, well, what could this mean for, you know, Giselle? And this was, I think, during summer of uh, 2020. Uh, and so we started to get consults 
We went to a couple of doctors together, asked lots and lots of questions and got information packets and, and on and on. Um, and you know, lots of the process with the therapist is about Giselle and getting Giselle ready. And about a month out, six weeks out from surgery, I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't feel ready. Like, oh, I only know Giselle with the way she's been with the general she was assigned at birth. I don't know what she's going to be like. Um, you know, the big thing for me is, will I still be attracted sexually to my wife, you know, with this new equipment, you know, because it's a huge unknown and I couldn't find anyone who like, you know, I tried to talk to other couples and they're like, oh, well, you know, we're kind of old, you know, we're kind of this, we're kind of that, you know, kind of just hemming and hawing and like, yeah, so I couldn't find anyone who's like, yeah, you know, uh, everything in the romantic and sexual life is still great. Um, so it was like, oh my goodness. And just, I was like, oh, well, you know, if you don't want me to have the surgery, you know, I'll put it on like, no, 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 no. So we talked to the therapist and she really helped in so many ways, uh, specifically talking specifically about my anxieties and talking about what are some things to reduce my anxiety. So for me, one of the big anxieties is I've heard horror stories about people peeing out of all sorts of different holes that weren't intended to be there uh, and blood everywhere for days and days. And I had visions of the entire bedroom being covered with all sorts of fluids. <laughs> You're making Giselle sound like a colander. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. But, and so, uh, so the, the uh, therapist very wisely suggested that we hire a doula, a, a queer doula service in DC uh, to have someone come in to help with the medical side during that first critical week so that I would not have to deal with any of these bodily fluids that I was very terrified of. <laughs> and it turns out she didn't have any of those issues I just mentioned. There was almost no blood whatsoever and there's no weird fluids anywhere, but I had all the pads and all the four different types of various things for catching fluids, you know, in terms of padding and all that. <laughs> <prepared. enough> <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so scared. <laughs> was. Um, uh, you know, we had had the walkthrough with the doula to make everything sure everything was set up. Um, it made sure because people are like, oh, it's so great that Giselle will have a 24-7 caregiver. I'm like, 24-7? What about me? I need to be able to ride my bike. I can't babysitter 24-7. So we had the doula come in like four to six hours a day. And you know, we probably didn't need her as much as we did, but it gave us, for me, it gave me the peace of mind and thereby gave Giselle the peace of mind <laughs> that everything was going to be okay. Um, and so like, you know, the first time that like, we took off like the bandages, or I should say the doula took off the bandages and I just got to sit back and relax, not worry about fainting or something like that. You know, everything was fine. <laughs> uh, so, um, and then we also had multiple therapy sessions set up, you know, like uh, a few days later, like for while Giselle was in the <clears throat> hospital, well, it was just me. Cause you know, during that, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, what's going on? Cause I was not even allowed to visit her, but it turns out visiting on zoom is better than in person. Um, cause we could talk way more than if I went to the hospital and she's asleep or something like that. So it was actually awesome. Um, and then we had a therapy set up like after Giselle got back, um, like, um, I think, uh, maybe a week after surgery, uh, you know, just to see how she's feeling. And then another couple of weeks later to kind of see how things are feeling again. Cause there's this like feeling of euphoria after surgery, I think for Giselle, and then they're kind of like coming back to like, okay, now it's like, you know, the baseline kind of like healing stuff and then more euphoria. Uh, <laughs> a lifetime of euphoria to come. Okay, your turn. Uh, well, I think you can tell from just the tone of Beth's voice and the pace, the rapid pace at which she's speaking uh, gives you a, a hint of sort of what her state of mind was uh, going into this. 
But I just look, I would just underscore what what Bethy said. And you know, transition for us or for me has been a team sport for us for some time now. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I've seen it best reaction to other lesser surgeries um, that, you know, the tendency for the patient is just to think about yourself. It was, obviously, it was a big event for me the way it is for everybody who undergoes any sort of affirmation surgery, but obviously bomb surgery is, you know, is the big one uh, or you know, can be is for many people. So yeah, as, as we approached the you know, D-Day, um, it just seemed really important that Beth be able to have an outlet to express her emotions um, and, uh, and that we had a framework with the kind of, not referee, but you know, somebody whom we trusted and uh, who, who knew us to be able to talk. You know, the great thing about those kinds of sessions is that it, it, you know, we always sort of prepare our talking points ahead of time while we're talking to the therapist. So it's a good organizing, you know, it brings things to the surface that you might otherwise not even be fully aware of. Um, so I would just say that, you know, uh, especially when it comes to a major surgery like this, that, that you know, all the, there you can't have too much preparation, you can't have too many resources, and, um, you know, it's, it is a, an experience for both sides of, you know, for both ends of the couple, so to speak, or whether it's a friend, or a partner or a spouse or whatever. Um, it's better to go through it together, but you gotta, you know, treat it like you have to prepare for it. Um, and the only, you know, sort of uh, really awkward questions are the ones you didn't ask ahead of time or don't vocalize. So it's made it so much better. Just cannot say, you know, we, we didn't, we kind of lurched into this, uh, but uh, I'm really glad we did it the way that, that we did it. And um, Joe kept, you know, like I say, it's, it's not a time to keep things under wraps and it's a good time to invest not only in the patient's body, but in your relationship. It sounds like you really prepared your support system well. Um, and I love that you had a way for Beth to be able to leave and go take care of herself with a doula. Have you heard of other types of support systems that people have utilized um, beyond a doula that you would recommend? Um, so there was one other support system. I'm just looking at my notes. They're actually the notes I typed to you, Cass. Um, but the one other thing is our therapist is like, well, reach out to your friend network and see if they can, you know, bring you meals or give you gift certificates for meals. I'm like, oh no, I couldn't possibly. Uh, but, uh, it turns out, uh, with my babes on bike cycling group, they're like, well, is there anything I can do or anything that I'm like, 
well, you know, I'm really stressed, you know, because Giselle is our really, uh, you know, she's Mrs. Amazing. She does our cooking and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, I'm stressed about all this, like grocery shopping and cooking and having to do that and take care of her in all these other ways. So um, the babes actually brought us meals for like 10 days, every other day brought dinner. And that was also just a huge, it was a stress relief from that, but it, even more so it was like the sense of like caring and having someone, cause I wasn't getting to ride with my friends during this time because I had a more limited schedule. It was like having like a friend check in like every other day, even though it was like, you know, you know, crazy COVID stuff and people you know, aren't necessarily fully vaccinated and they're still like willing to, you know, come out and bring us food and, uh, you know, drive from very significant, you know, like from Herndon and stuff like that, all the way to the Como Park, you know, like an hour drive each way to bring us, you know, a meal. It's just like a real act of like love and it made me feel, you know, loved and taken care of. Um, and fat. Yeah, that too, that too. <laughs> Um, people tend to specialize in casseroles when they're delivering food right <laughs> um but you know it really meant a lot um and one of my friends who's not doesn't normally do these organization projects took a charge and kind of like spearheaded it so that mm -hmm. meant an awful lot to show that her love for me of doing something that is outside of her normal uh desired skill set that's wonderful. And uh, I had a friend, um, we had a friend who went through some major medical trauma several years ago and their network uh, used, I believe it's mealtrain.com. Uh, so there are websites out there you can utilize for free to help with not just meals um, so that people aren't overlapping, but you know, transportation, chauffeuring kids or childcare or chores and cleaning. Uh, you know, all those aspects like that. So that's a wonderful tool to bring up. Thank you both so very much for, for sharing so much. Um, yeah, you're you welcome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other questions for us? You know, we're a pretty open book. Well, I'd, and I'd like to hear from some of our other members too. Uh, you know, anybody else like to share their story on the screen yet tonight? If I could just toss in one other sort of footnote. Um, Please. Uh, Another thing that was hugely helpful, not not just to me, but for both of for both of us, was sort of the war stories that we got from friends. That Danny was one person in particular who, you know, <laughs> kind of talked me off the ledge a little bit. Danny uh, or is it Anne? No, it was Anne. Anne. There's Linda. I mean, there were Danny. We talked a bit or texted about this uh, prior, and just again had and Danny has been, you know, going, preparing for her own journey. So uh, it was just really good to be able to, you know, share experiences and ask questions, you know, what do you think about this? What's your view on that? That, that sort of stuff. So um, getting, <laughs> getting the advice of people in similar circumstances was really helpful. And I don't know if I was clear that um, I am still very attracted to Jizzy with all the new stuff and it worked out really great. And so if there, you need there's someone who needs to talk to a couple where it's like, yes, things are so good after bottom surgery, uh, we can, we can be that couple. That's wonderful. Since you said it was, it was hard for you to find a couple so young, right? So thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yay. And Danny, they, you know, they were toggling over to you. They had mentioned you and, and how wonderful that you had each other as a support system. You know, we've had members come on the show 
um, just in one of our last episodes, Grace and Diane have talked about transitioning together and going through that process. So I think it's really wonderful to have uh, a support network that has been through it, been there, done that, and can can share the, the details with you, but also somebody trudging through at the same moment as well. Um, Danny, would you like to share some of the advice that you had passed along to Giselle? I don't think I pass advice on to Giselle. I was asking her for her experiences. Uh, it's a long process. And that's the main reason I was in here tonight to hear from others. I submitted my first set of, you know, the WPATH letters in May of 2020. And uh, the hospital I was at, the doctor left and the line held still. And uh, so I found another facility. And of course it was later and I had to get new letters. And uh, my surgery was actually supposed to be scheduled for uh, two weeks from this week. And it's been moved now to November 15th, 19th, somewhere in that time frame. I'm waiting for the phone call to tell me. So the only thing I can really share is there's a lot of waiting. And reaching out to Giselle to find out, you know, what was this like? What was that like? And there's been some others too, like Linda Ann. She's not here tonight. She, she's been helpful too, uh, because I'm looking at a, a similar surgery. And their information has been invaluable to me. Of course, I'm concerned about Giselle's health and, and uh, best sexual desire. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> but no, I, I'm just glad to hear that. And I'm getting ready for that myself. But the, the big thing I can say, it, it does, you know, unless you got a million dollars and you or not a million, whatever, 25,000, and you can walk in and say, hey, I want this surgery. It's a long process uh, using insurance and that, and it's been a long one for me. But it, because of that time frame, I know I'm mentally ready. We'll just see if I'm mentally ready for the pain next. Oh, and I did want to add, it's nice to see where best priorities were about her bicycling during Giselle's he healing time. Yeah, I was. I went, it's the best uh, vacation Bethy ever had. Yeah, Danny had shared that she was having surgery and my first response was, oh no, did you fall off your bike again? So, so glad, and then one of the things I'd, I'd like to share, so we had, um, Danny, you had mentioned Linda Ann. Linda sent me, she sends her regards and she wants anyone to know that they are welcome to reach out to her at Linda Ann. You can direct message her on Facebook. And she had several um, things that she wanted to share. And um, one was she recommends that you get into the best physical, um, why is my mind blanking? The best physical form you can, get in the best shape that you can possible. And you know, having you know, Beth's crew and Danny both as cyclists is really make, inspiring that and bringing that on. You know, Danny, for you, we had interviewed you. You were one of the first transition journeys on My Feminine Heart. I think you were the first or second person to sign up for My Feminine Heart. So you're like one of our longest founding club members. And, you know, if anybody hasn't seen your transition journey, I, I encourage them to find and listen on, the, on our website, myfeminineheart.com. But one thing about you is you were not always this athletic and it would you mind speaking a little bit to the shape that you're in now 
to um, recommend that for our audience? Oh gosh, you know, it's it's just another form of transition, and transitioning my body, I leaned on Beth. <laughs> Uh, you know, I had my network there. Uh, part of my transitioning, you know, as a transgender person, I abused my body for so long. I ate my uh, aggressions, but I addressed that and I started losing the weight. And I think it actually, at the same time, I started transitioning, dressing more. I mean, gosh, Beth could tell you, you know, my first makeover with her, what I looked like back then. Oh, gosh. So, you know, the more weight I lost, the better I look, the more confidence I've made, and the more I began to realize that I could do this. So there's a lot of similarities, you know, and now I'm just trying to stay active. I know that um, even though I lost 100 pounds, when I first approached uh, the surgeons for gender affirmation surgery, a big fear was the BMI, uh, because some surgeons will tell you, you got to be under a certain BMI. And I recently learned that there are some doctors that aren't so worried about that. And if somebody would like to you know, ask me about that, I'd be glad to answer those questions. So, so the one I'm going to, they're more concerned with your happiness and they wanna make sure you're healthy, but the BMI is not looked at so heavily. So that's good too. I had no idea Beth was the one who got you into cycling. That makes total sense now. Yes. I met her and we started, I think we both started exercising and losing weight about the same time. Yeah. yeah so Danny <laughs> and I have both lost about a hundred pounds and cycling was a big part of that for both of us and both of us getting faster on our bikes simultaneously, even though we've only done one actual bike ride together. Uh, and so we've had these parallel journeys, you know, where we're kind of like hopscotching, I think, you know, down our weight loss and fitness journey. It's been a pretty cool. Okay. So who else right now? Nutrition. <laughs> Who else wants to go biking with Beth and Danny? <laughs> I'm ready to jump on and go. And that's the beauty of, you know, connecting and, and creating friends. Your friendships and support networks are so important in this um, through, you know, every part of your journey, whether that includes surgery or not. No, we have a very specific question from our audience, and I'm wondering if anybody could share their personal experience and I'll just repeat again that this is not official medical advice. We're just going to share what everyone else personally went through from Sharon Samsha and Sharon, welcome. I think this is the first time I've seen you pop up on our show. She wants to know how difficult is it to dilate right after surgery? Has anybody experienced that themselves? Go ahead, Karen. Um. It's, it's at very, at first it's not that bad, <laughs> but you really got to stay on the routine that the surgeon tells you to do. Um, and that's being on time, doing it, um, the repetition of the day. I know for me, when, if, when I first did it, it was like four times a day for about a couple of weeks. And then after that, it was three times a day for a couple of weeks and then two times a day and then once a week. Um, one time a day. And the thing is, you really, really need to be active and, and up to doing it like you're supposed to do. I don't know, I think now, cause I had mine done back in April 8th of 2016. So a lot's probably have changed as far as how often you need to do it and how, for how long each four times, three times and two times. So just listen to your doctor. 
or your surgeon and definitely stay on the schedule they they put you on um and increase whenever you can i know it's going to be painful trust me it is not an easy thing to do but um try to go up in the levels that they say to do within a certain amount of time um and you should be pretty good that's excellent advice thank you karen and always anybody who's been through any kind of surgery will tell you listen to your doctor. Do not assume that you are a superhero and just go off on your own. This is a major trauma to your body. Uh, so make sure that you, you listen and talk to your medical professional. We have another question coming in for anybody who'd like to answer it. Um, from Michaela Roden, one of our club members, she says, I'm having GCX next year. Congratulations, Michaela. And she can't wait as you approach your surgery date, does the excitement continue or does any kind of trepidation set in? Who would like to take that one? Well, you know, it's sort of like an astronaut who's been loaded into the capsule and is waiting for somebody to light the rocket to go off, right? So, you know, for me, it was like, can you, you know, there's anxiety, the yes, sort of yes, no, yes, no. Can I do this? Can I not do this? And then at some point you say, okay, let's go. I'm the, you know, can we do it yesterday? Um, and so like the last like week or 10 days, it was more the anxiety of, you know, I'm really ready to do this. I'm tired of waiting. Let's get it on sort of attitude. Thank you. I was just um, going to mention, going into uh, mine. I mean, as it got for quite a while, once it was planned, I would think, uh, you know, oh, it's, you know, six weeks away. It's four weeks away. It's two weeks away. Uh, you know, wanted to ever get here. And then as we get down to about a week left and a couple of days left, that's when I really started feeling it. And it's like, okay, then the anxiety was there a little bit. And I was thinking, okay, this is a pretty big deal. Um, but then uh, when I woke up that morning and once I uh, got to the hospital, it's like it, everything just settled down. And it's like, yeah, th this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and it was just it was almost like inner peace, I felt at that point. Uh, so, yeah, it was like so much of it. And I'll probably touch on that, you know, maybe on another time tonight. But so much of this is the unexpected mental and emotional part of it that you don't think about it but but once i get up that morning there was no more fear no more anxiety it's like yeah okay it's like i'm home gabby thank you uh and i think that that kind of clarity a lot of people search for when even just deciding to have the surgery you know we hear from so many of our sisters the questions of am i trans enough which is a saddening question, but you know what? There are so many times when people talk, share about how they struggle in their journey. Is this really me? Is this really for me? Can I really do this? For anybody who's been trepidatious about having surgery, what was that moment of inner peace where you said, yes, this is right for me and I'm ready and I want this? Karen? Um, for me, I was pretty much ready right after I transitioned 
um, October 1st of 2010. The mentally, I was prepared the entire time. The only thing is like within the last month, you know, because people will come up to you and they're going to say, are you nervous? Are you nervous? And I kept saying, no, not. I'm just totally at peace. And then all of a sudden, for some odd reason, I started seeing yellow vehicles. It could be a bus, it could be a truck, it could be a car several times during the day. And I was thinking, is that playing on my mind? Yellow being cautious, be prepared to stop. And I just had to overlook that because I, I was at total peace about doing the surgery. And um, when I kept seeing these yellow vehicles all the time, which I had never, right? Matter of fact, now I don't even see yellow vehicles out there now. Uh, but it was so weird that all of a sudden I started seeing these yellow vehicles for about a month uh, up until about a week before my surgery. And um, when I woke up that morning, I was feeling great, excited. Uh, matter of fact, I woke up early and um, I took a, a picture with my uh, nursing staff and, and doctors. It was all women, which was great, except for one male doctor who's now um, practicing somewhere else. And um, I was holding up this bumper sticker that says, let's roll. And um, we were just perfect for that day. It couldn't have been any sweeter. So whatever you do, people may talk to you and try to talk you out of certain things, but know in your heart what you're going to do. If you feel it right, it's going to be right. You know, don't let anybody talk you out of something that you are, your mind is set to do and that you feel at peace. You will know that peace. It'll just cover you that it's the right thing to do. One of the, uh, oh, go ahead, Giselle. I'm sorry. Oh, I just, before we leave the subject, I mean, I, I wanted, one thing I forgot to mention was that as it got closer to my surgery date, that's really when I began to focus on not just me, but on us and to, to feel that hey, you know, I might be the one who's going under the knife or whatever, but um, I got to make sure that, uh, you know, that that Beth is completely comfortable with what is going to happen. And uh, so that was, that was kind of, I mean, it was, it was not just important, but it was very satisfying to be able to, um, you know, uh, again, sort of, uh, and, and I, you know, I wonder if, if Bethy got calmer and more reassured as we got closer to the date. And that was as good a feeling for me as my own, you know, anticipation uh, about, uh, you know, fulfilling my desires in this regard. Hey, Giselle, that's good. Did you have somebody that you could talk to, which is great. I didn't have like a partner or anything. The only thing was like my mom. All I can do is, is if anybody's out there and you're, you've got a significant other, don't go see movies like the Danish girl before your surgery. Cause I took my mom and it was like a disaster. We're both bawling in the movie theater, you know, and I had seen it like two weeks before that. And I was okay, but taking my mom, that was a mistake. And then a family member actually sent the surgery by YouTube to my mom. And that just like made her a basket case at that point. So yeah, just watch out for little things like that to the audience out there. 
Yeah, there's a lot of reasons not to watch the baby. So. <laughs> Karen, that's a great point. And actually, I was going to bring that up at the same time that you did. So I think this is this is the moment where, you know, we see Beth and Giselle, we know how blessed they are to have each other. And obviously, they work very hard to make that work. We know that we have sisters out there who um, do not have quite that level of support system at home. I know that we have several leaders in the trans community here. Uh, I, and I know that uh, a doctor will not allow a surgery without at least some sense of a support network. They will not perform surgery on somebody who is 100% on their own. So for somebody who is a little more alone, um, can any of our advocates tonight recommend support groups or ways that you connect and find people to help be in your support network? Bronwyn, did I see you raise your hand? Yeah, uh, it's one way that COVID's actually benefited me because it gave me time to build support network. And I live up in, in uh, Rome, New York, which is up in the middle of nowhere. And um, so th th there's not a lot of uh, trans people around here, but I've, I've connected probably with most of the people around here and several have already transitioned completely physically and, and are providing support. And I've, I've also had actually, uh, I had to take the time to lose weight as well. At one point I was up to 280. Now I'm down to 225 and I'm aiming for under 200, I hope. It's just taking time and it's mostly walking and some other um, programs. I'm not gonna mention their names to keep everything on the up and up here. So it's, uh, it's, um, it's important not to rush into it. Um, Right, I'm going to have the top surgery done before I do bottom surgery. And uh, partly because I'm not sure that I'm gonna do the bottom surgery. I'm, I'm 71 and um, the, the top surgery has actually gotten to be more important to me as far as my own appearance and, uh, and the like. And that's actually more important to me now than in any other. I've already had a, orchiectomy and uh, I actually had an eyebrow lift, but that was because I, I had hooded eyes and I couldn't see very well. <laughs> so that was one thing that took the years off as well. So it's, uh, there's other, it, it's, I'm in better health now than when I was 40 years old. So it's, uh, and it's all due to the transition and, and the effort that I've had to put into it and building my community and everything, so. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm sorry, all these comments are sort of reminding me of uh, things that I think are, are worth sharing. So when we were, uh, you know, sort of figuring out how to do this and where to do it and with whom to do it, one of the things that was very important to me, and I'm in retrospect, very, I think was better for both of us, was getting a surgeon that we were comfortable with that wasn't far from home so you don't have to travel you know a lot of people want to go to the sort of um, well-known rock star surgeons and all the rest of that stuff this is completely understandable but you know that just that if you have to travel and you have to find a place to stay for a couple of weeks so you can go back for follow-up appointments and stuff like that 
that really adds a level of complexity to the to the whole process. So again, it, just at least for us, staying close to home was really a, a critical factor. Yeah, on a, a follow-up on that, if any, there's actually uh, practices close to me in a couple of major medical centers. And if anyone wants information on that, just just contact me and uh, brandwindrew at gmail.com. And I'm going to one major practice in Syracuse. And there's also another one not too far from here that, that specializes in, in transgender surgeries. So it's even in the, the more uh, isolated areas, small cities, there's, there's, it's not that far from it anymore, especially in the Northeast. And that brings up a wonderful point, Bronwyn. So I see that we have some very specific medical advice being shared in our Facebook chat. So I'm going to ask that our Facebook audience, please feel free to reach out to each other and create a network and feel free to direct message. But um, we are asking that all comments that are specific medical advice not appear. If you did type one, it's okay. Just go ahead and delete it. Um, but you know, we're we're keeping this kind of general tonight. Uh, and speaking of, I know that several people in our Zoom this evening uh, have offered that if anybody would like to reach out to them, they can. And as you know, I had been asking if there's any support groups or networks that you can recommend. So I'm just gonna let everybody um, jump up and share so nobody feels obligated. If you'd like to share whatever contact information you would like or just an offering for someone to reach out to you on Facebook or however, to um, share more specific advice, this is your chance. Feel free to, to open those doors. I know Karen always jumps at the chance to grow her network, so I'll let her lead off. Now, what I was just gonna basically say, you know, um, if you need to talk to someone, um, I'm leaving my line open for you. Um, just be very respectful because I do, um, because I have had a couple of comments that have been added or, or pictures sent to me and I'm like, why are you sending me this? So please be respectful there. My email address is kkholmes at kkholmes.com. And I'll be glad to talk to you, um, especially during times when you're really conflicted. I basically have told people, you'll know the right time, you will know the right person, uh, with that gut feeling. And if you know what that gut feeling feels like, go with that gut feeling when you decide what surgeon that you're going to go with and uh, just go with that. Um, and if you're getting a lot of things being shoved into your ear, um, try to blank it out. But because I won't give advice unless you ask. And then two, I will just basically say this is what I did going through the procedures and stuff like that. So it's up to you whether you pick and choose uh, what I offer to you. So, but I definitely, if you want to talk or if you have any issues, you can reach me again at kkhomes at kkhomes.com or you can DM me on Facebook. I'll be glad to talk to you then as well. Thank you, Karen. Danny, I saw you type into the Facebook that you'll be happy to answer any um, BMI questions. I love that specificity since you have just done such a phenomenal job. Thank you, Danny Butler. Would anyone else like to share any resources 
for themselves or another organization that they are attached to for tonight's discussion? Yes, um, I, uh, I, I work with um, uh, older transgender people, uh, 50 plus and try to be helpful in that. The only thing I just wanted to mention before I gave anything out is that the e my email address actually has the health organization I work for. So should we wait on that or? I just I, I you, you do whatever is comfortable for you. You can share your email if you'd like. You can just tell people to look you up on Facebook, whatever you're comfortable. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I mean, it, it does have a healthcare organization, as you know, I'm at, at and it has the healthcare organization I work on. I just didn't want to cross a, a I know tonight's a little different. Oh, thank doing you. That. So we'll just say we are not endorsing this medical organization, okay. but it just happens to be your email. Yeah. I, um, I'm a transgender engagement specialist with um, um, an organization in Boston, and, uh, and I, I specialize in uh, 50 plus, and we um, intake calls and emails and such. We organize, uh, organize uh, get togethers, mostly on Zoom because of where we are in the world right now. Uh, but I mean, and you can find, find me on Facebook, uh, a couple of people even on our screen, uh, have already and I'm on there, but it's uh, just G Morgan at FenwayHealth.org. And I won't say that the second half again, you can look that up. If... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. We appreciate that. If anybody ever has difficulty, you know, you can always contact me at myfeminineheart.com, info at CassandraStorm.com, and I will help connect you with the permission of our members. Yes, go ahead. Um, if there's any transgender veterans, out there, um, I'm on the board for for Transgender Veterans Association, Transgender American Veterans Association, and uh, which is helping with the VA and so on, and uh, and getting the um, VA to to uh, change the regulations. So if you need help that way, we're easy to find on the web, and it's yeah, you can know, just look up TAVA or transvets.org. Thank you. Thank you, Bronwyn. I, you know, we always have such a tremendous group of advocates uh, with us. I'm always excited to share that. And if I missed you, um, please feel free to jump up and share more information later. We have another question coming in from our audience. My daughter is from Sharon again, and she said thank you for her answer earlier on dilation. My daughter's 20 and her father and I are the main support. What can we do for her after her surgery? Um, we are worried about the extensive surgery, but just want to be there for her. Sharon, thank you so much for being a supportive and affirming parent. That is, that is absolutely lovely. Any advice for a parent to a 20 year old child, which is like, just kind of old enough where you don't want, you know, your parents there too much, but you still need the support. <laughs> you know, you're, um, what, who, who would have anything to offer to them? I think just that that's a, a really critical age developmentally. <clears throat> and certainly, I think, Sharon, what you said about you want to be there, that's the key part. You want to be there and you want to do what you can to let your child know that you care and you're supportive and you're going to do whatever you can to, to help through after this process. It's um, the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E -E, is so important. Uh, for, I mean, not just this kind of procedure, but any type of thing somebody goes through that's major like that. But I think even more so going through this type of surgery, just that, that constant, I'm here for you. 
because so many people don't have that. that, that that's critical. Uh, some other groups that help with that would be like the Trevor Project has a lot of material and also uh, a lot of the church groups like uh, I'm in the Unitarian Universalist Church. There's a lot of the congregations will have support groups that will help out parents. And there's also PFLAG, which is another group that would involve parents and, and so on. Mm -hmm. All great resources. Thank you so much. Um, Jaren, I hope that, that that helps you. It's always wonderful to be able to reach out to the next generation and help them along in their journey as well. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So for afterwards, here's a post-surgery question. Oh, I'm sorry, Giselle, I saw you raise your hand. I'm just gonna say that, that um, the parents probably need to talk to other parents if they can find them. Uh, mm. You know, that's sort of a little bit like being a spouse or a partner. Um, and so I'm sure that the experience of parenting a transitioning adolescent or young woman or young man uh, has got to be something that's very difficult to prepare for. So in that case, I would say, boy, try to find some people who've had a similar experience and try to get the value of their counseling wisdom. That's an excellent point. And I just saw a question come in um, asking about the Trevor Project. Would anybody like to share some more details? Yeah, I just happen to have a number of friends who uh, work there. It's, to, it's a great, great organization that does an increasingly broad uh, array of advocacy for LGBTQ, uh, yeah, well, the whole rainbow. Uh, uh, of youth people, and they're especially focused. You know, they, they do everything from political advocacy to even individual counseling. It began as kind of an uh, anti-suicide or you know suicide prevention organization, but uh, it's grown, it's expanded. The people who work there are just wonderful, and they're the kind of folks who will go the extra mile to to help get anybody and any you know, related to our community or to similar communities to get the help they need. So it's also a, a hugely worthy uh, cause to donate to, just to be, uh, you know, mercantile about it. I agree with you there. My church supports the Trevor Project. There's another resource that's that's particularly good. The um, In Los Angeles, the Pride Center has a huge uh, new initiative called Trans Lounge. I paid them a visit when I was there last month, uh, and it's incredible. And since this is the time post-COVID, just about everything that's done is available online, so you need not be in Southern California to participate. Um, so just look for the Pride Center in LA and then navigate your way to, it's called Trans Lounge, uh, a whole range of uh, services that are available. And um, one of our members, Beth McKinley, has mentioned that in Central PA, there is the Trans Youth Family Support Group that meets monthly and is supported by Trans Central PA, who we all know and love, uh, champions the Keystone Conference. And um, their meetings are a hybrid model. And Beth is happy to connect anybody who is interested. 
Um, and they allow welcome family members who have adult trans children as well. So not just under 18, but over 18. And Alaria, thank you. So she is also mentioning Tava is good, also TVSG for veterans and um, the Modern Military Association of America and Sparta for current serving um, transgender individuals. So, so many resources out there. We hope that this has been a help tonight. One thing that I'd like to um, discuss, we've talked a lot about preparing. What about recovery? How long does it take to recover from any type of affirmation surgery? Uh, what would anybody recommend for, you know, rest, obviously listen to your doctor for the amount of time you need to be resting at home, but what was it like for you personally? Was it a surprise at how much recovery you needed or how did you personally feel? I guess I'll jump in on this. Um, for me personally, um, I was really ready to come, go back to work probably in three weeks. Um, but the bad part about it is the dilation and you couldn't do that at work. So you just basically needed to just spend that time at home. And to me, dilation, that takes a lot out of you mentally. Um, at least it did for me. Um, so I just basically took my time and just rested um, after each uh, dilation because I was just exhausted because you're trying to force something bigger, you know, and deeper for the depth that you were given uh, during surgery. So it's it's a mind thing that goes on for you. I have to say one thing, uh, the best part about it all, because um, I've heard a lot of girls wonder before surgery, am I going to be able to have a climax and stuff like that? And without a doubt, um, yeah, um, I got that. Actually, it's more intense than it is when I was in my uh, male mode, um, but um, definitely uh, you you will climax. Um, hopefully the surgeon that you have will be a good one for being able to get that sensitivity there. Thank you for sharing that, Karen. I know that's very personal, um, but happy to hear that we're having so many success stories in so many different ways. Um, Karen, would you recommend that if somebody has the opportunity to work from home uh, while they continue, that that would be a good a good situation for them? Oh, you're muted, hun. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, being being able to work from home is great. I would have liked to uh, had the extended time. Uh, at my agency and, and federal agencies, at least for me, um, gives you that time that you can go ahead and use uh, accommodation, uh, telework accommodation. And that worked out really good. Uh, my, I won't say her name, but my other boss before, it was like, you know, even when I had knee surgery, she only wanted me to be able to telework twice a week. And I'm like, really? So I had to go over her head to be able to get the extra time to be able to telework all the time um, and that's the same thing check with your your agency if you're a federal employee uh, they have all kinds of plans as far as working from home take the time that you need you may have to bring a note in from your surgeon about the time off that you need but it shouldn't be a problem at all so yeah definitely if you can telework 
take that time and telework uh, and don't worry about rushing back into the office. Now, what was it like for anybody emotionally afterwards? So was there, was it all euphoria afterwards or was there a bit of a roller coaster in there? Um, I, I just wanted to uh, both, uh, I'm happy to describe that, but I also wanted to sort of uh, add a footnote to Karen's comments. One thing that I think is worth that people don't give enough consideration to in thinking through their surgery and this got to bring back the the uh, sort of colander discussion that we started with. I mean, you got to think about the urology part of this too. It used to be the case that these the bottom surgery usually had a urologist in attendance or sort of like in the the room when the surgery was being done, and that's less and less common these days. That reflects improvement in surgical techniques and. Um, the increased uh, number of uh, surgeons who are, uh, you know, experienced in this. But that was a huge issue for me. And it's something that, that you know, per particularly at, at my age, 68, uh, you know, is, is something to think about. Um, it, you know, you think it's all just about, right, am I going to be able to climax again or what's going to hurt and all the rest of that stuff. But, you know, you're, you're rearranging um, uh, your urinary tract, not to be too delicate about it, and increasing the likelihood that you'll get infections because it's, you know, a much shorter distance for the little microbe guys to go. Um, so, um, again, I, w something to, to really think through. I had to have, um, uh, or, or wanted to have and got, um, a, a, a urological procedure done six, you know, I had to have that done or I wanted to, it's something that I wanted to have done just, or would have wanted to have done under normal circumstances, but it needed to be done enough in advance of the surgical date. So, I mean, the complexity of sort of scheduling these things and preparing, making sure your body is, is ready for the, you know, for the, the affirmation surgery um, also includes a pretty important urological dimension that people should think about. Um, also from the recovery from surgery, since that was part of the question. Um, so there's like, in terms of going back to work, so Giselle have vulvoplasty, so there's none of the dilation schedule, but there's also how long can you sit in a chair when your butt hurts a whole lot? Even with a donut, the donut is not that comfortable from everything Giselle. We even had two types of donuts. We had the, the right. one the pro surgeon provided, we had our Amazon donut, because you know I was extra prepared. And uh, you know, it's like two hours max, you know, and then she, uh, Giselle needed a big break because she went back, I think, part-time. Uh, telework after the first week. Um, and then I think after the end of a month, again, with vulvoplasty that she was full-time back at work uh, with her other surgeries, like uh, she had a Brazilian butt lift and it took a good year for the nerve connections to come back, um, you know, where everything was just starting to feel normal for the pain to go away, which is, so to me, that was even a harder surgery to recover from uh, than mm -hmm. bottom surgery. And, and I don't think people give that credit because people get, uh, 
Brazilian butt lift all the time. And they're like, oh, it's so cute. You know, that kind of thing. They don't think, oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, your body has really gone through a, shit, uh, a whole lot of trauma uh, for that kind of surgery. Every surgery is different. Uh, yeah, breast augmentation. Sorry. Uh, breast augmentation, there was no, it was like, yeah, we were out dancing that weekend. We maybe overdid it, but uh, it was like a week, uh, we're good. <laughs> You went dancing after breast surgery? It might have been three days. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. But Four days. It, it was fun. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> you have new toys to play with, right? Yes, yes, just amazing. It was totally... It was me when I, when I had had mine and and great in crazy way in all three because I had top, bottom, and I had some face. Um, and the top one I had... Um, and uh, good and almost a curse sometimes in that, uh, unlike we were saying before, physically, I was the superhero in recovery. For some crazy reason, I was able to do everything very quickly. Uh, three days after my top surgery, when they said, you know, don't, you couldn't hold your hands up. I mean, I was getting things off the top shelf. Four days after that, I was, I hosted a trivia session at a club. Uh, you know, after the bottom surgery, it was funny when uh, you were talking about some of the things that don't help because five days after we went out for dinner and, you know, there was my friend that had given me the donut. But the, the same thing I mentioned before with me uh, and all three of them, I bounced back very quickly on all of them. Went back to work quicker than expected. Uh, but again, the emotional, the mental part of it. Um, <clears throat> uh, in the bottom surgery, there was, um, was uh, six days after. And I had to uh, get like a little update, a little check-in from um, a doctor. And it was finished and everything was uh, routine. And I'm thinking, wow, I am, I'm Wonder Woman. I mean, I'm walking around and I'm ready to dance or anything after bottom. <coughs> and um, when we were finished up, I was with a, a female, a cis female doctor. Uh, who said, oh, by the way, we just have to get a little P-test. I mean, you get a P-test if you sprain your wrist. I mean, you know, they do it for everything. And it's like, yeah, sure, okay. So it was like, go over there, um, go to this restroom, and she looks in, and she sees all the the jugs that that men use when they're doing that. And she said, oh, I guess it's guys in here. Let me get something because we use something different. And just the the natural way she said we, because we've all had the people that give you the wink wink right thing, like, oh hi, ma'am, kind of thing. <laughs> but the way she said, we use something different. Let me get. And it was so natural. There was two little letters. We, I just started breaking or crying from that acceptance. And I didn't realize how emotional I was. And every little thing around there, I realized, you know, what had happened. It was, um, like I say, that was much, as big as the physical was, it it didn't even compare to the emotional part of it. Yeah. And again, if you feel great, we're happy for you. No recommendation to rush out there after surgery. <laughs> so everybody's body is different, um, but definitely listen to your doctor. But, you know, that is, I'm so happy that you had that experience, um, Gabby. And, you know, for everybody, you know, we're talking, we're kind of talking immediately around surgery, but, you know, six months later, a year later, like the emotional, you know, mental, spiritual aftermath, is it? Just euphoria? Is there a bit of a roller coaster that people can expect? What has been like as time has gone on for you? Gabby, would you mind sharing since 
Sure. Um, and, and while that was the first one I experienced like that, I because I wasn't ready for that one. I didn't, you know, I thought I got this. I'm physically ahead of the curve. And as I say, I don't, I don't say this is how long it takes because that's how long it took me. I was a freak of nature at that point. And I'm not, as I say, I'm not a superhero. I, I was just lucky. You know, law of averages, if it happened again, maybe I don't recover so quickly physically. Gabby, what do you mean when you say you weren't ready? Do you feel that you rushed your surgeries too close together? No, no, no. as far as uh, the expectation of the emotional part of it. Okay. Uh, because I didn't rush surgery at all. I, I came out in uh, 2016 at the age of 60, and I I almost wondered if I wouldn't get it when people did ask me. I wondered if I, you know, if oh, you know, maybe a doctor would say would love to do it, but at that age, maybe there were complications. And though I would have been disappointed, I I, w I almost expected that. <laughs> but then I found a doctor who did help point me. He said, well, sure, why not? Let's go for it. And you know, that was after a few years, and then. Uh, we went for it and everything. Ha and I had th I had all three surgeries two days shy of nine months uh, apart in 2020 during a pandemic. <laughs> so I was fortunate in that respect. I mean, but emotionally, uh, yeah, I just never knew what to expect. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of uh, mental ups, you know, and emotional upside, you know, ups and downs. And um, as big as the physical was, it didn't compare you know, to the different emotions I felt all the time. I, I was so grateful. Sometimes I wondered if I deserved it. But, you know, I was so used to 60 years of hiding myself. And then I got to be me and it was almost euphoric. I mean, I, I really didn't, you know, I never expected to be that happy because I never expected to come out. And it was just uh, so overwhelming. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just had to sit and relax and I, I had to learn how to appreciate it and enjoy it. Just to chime in on and I do uh, enjoy it. <laughs> so there are two things about my post-surgical experience that that surprised me a little bit. Um, one is that um, so we had friends arranged a little bit of a party and like a cake that you know, so it's sort of like the thing that you would get at a risque bachelorette party, right? I don't, I don't want to go into any further detail than that. But that was great for sort of, you know, after you've had surgery, a natural response is not to want to talk about it, right? To, to not make a big deal about it and so on and so forth and not like force too much information on your friends and so on, so on and so forth. So that was oddly, and I was very reluctant to, to, you know, and didn't want to do this at first, but it was a great experience. And it helped sort of like, I don't know, break the ice or, or something like that, that helped me feel sort of like I didn't, hadn't done something like absolutely insane and crazy. It sort of normalized things for me. And that, that was a, the second surprise. You know, when the when the sort of initial euphoria wore off, what it devolved to was a sense of normalcy that's constantly like it's great to go to the grocery store and not have to worry about tucking and things like that. Okay. So I it's not really a high kind of a feeling, but it's just a feeling of sort of normalcy coming into 
a comfort zone that um, you know that that is persistent and you know it's it's not a high but it's it's like a even keel sort of feeling. Thank you. Also, Beth, also Bethy's pretty happy, so that makes me good. <laughs> she had a big smile when you were talking about that cake. Oh, it was it was an amazing party and really affirming, um, I think, for Giselle and to have our friends come around for that kind of thing. Because not everyone's got friends that stick with them, you know, through that kind of um, experience and through the transition experience. And what I've seen with Giselle, like emotionally, she's described, she's like, I'm standing up taller when I go to the grocery store. I don't feel like I've got a hunch over and kind of like hide my body. Uh, and then I've also seen her. Uh, so she's lo been loving these like two piece bikini things. <laughs> oh no, no, but this is like, because she's like, oh no, it's not euphoria now. Just this steady state is a really high level steady state. Uh, she's going to the beach by herself in the afternoon after she gets off work in these uh, two piece uh, little itty bitty bikinis. And she is just on cloud nine. I don't see what's different about that. So, so this, uh, oh yeah, yeah, just even, yeah, yeah, on cloud nine even. <laughs> yeah, that's normal, right? Sure. <laughs> so it's been incredible. It's been incredible. And I love seeing her so, so happy. It's just like, you know, she's always a pretty happy person, but her level of happiness has just been so much more um, after getting this uh, gender confirming surgery. And oh, and my friends notice it too. <laughs> and they're like, oh, is Giselle feeling so much better? She looks so much better you know, more whatever it is, you know, whether it's confident or whatever. Uh, so it, that's just cool to hear too. I know for me, um, I was 150% happier after I had my I transitioned, but after I had the surgery, oh, it became 200% happier. Um, and, and every once in a while, you know, even this morning, going to the bathroom and you're sitting there taking a pee and you're like, wow, I did it. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm having this aha moment, you know, that I actually did it. The only time I really think about it is when you got to go bed and pee and you have to, you know, take everything down, you know, that's some time consuming where when we were a guy, he <laughs> just whip it out and go. But, um, you know, ask me would I want to transition back or did I make the right decision? Absolutely. One million percent happier. And no, I would never go back in a million years. Um, and I love the part, even now, like, uh, you know, Giselle was talking about, you know, a two-piece. I can't do the two-piece because of my stomach a little bit, even though I've lost 30 pounds. Um, but just being in a one-piece, like the Baywatch one, oh, it looks great, you know, when you're lying out there, you don't have to worry about anything bulging out, you know, so, um, but it's a great feeling. 200% happier. If I could share one, one short thing, it was a little bit funny. It, it was right before uh, the, the bottom surgery and um, it was one little anxiety I had and I, and I mentioned it to a couple different doctors and uh, my therapist and all that. And I just kind of had like a standard line I use. It's like, hey, listen, I'm about to have this done at 64. I, I have to learn how to pee. And, you know, everyone gave the polite answer. It's, oh, don't worry, you're going to be fine. You'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. And then as it turned out, um, the surgeon who was going to do it, when I did my funny little boy, I have to learn how to pee thing, he stopped and he said, you're right, what a mess. That stuff's going to be everywhere. And he just started laughing out loud. 
and and I had to laugh out loud. And I just so loved his honesty. It was exactly what I needed at that time when I was starting to get the anxiety. So I am so grateful that he, he said, yeah, that's, that's going to be everywhere. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, again, I, I, all these things sort of trigger memories and points that I think are worth sharing. One sort of post-surgical issue that doesn't get discussed nearly enough is the question of revisions, whether it's medically necessary or simply a cosmetic procedure. You know, you go talk to surgeons to try to figure out like who you want to go to and stuff like that. And first of all, they never are especially forthcoming like with statistics about things, hard facts and stuff like that. So it's so much of it is, do you feel comfortable with this person? And is their reputation a good one and stuff like that? And what do you hear from your friends or, you know, Facebook groups or whatever? Um, but also, you know, I, I've come to realize that there's nothing wrong with revisions. And, you know, A, you shouldn't be ashamed to, you know, it's not like you're giving a, you know, diving performance at the Olympics or something like that. It's not a competition. Um, and, and you should be an advocate for yourself with your doctor uh, about this and, and be sure to, you know, I wish I'd asked a few more questions about it up front. Um, and it's, it's still, you know, the doctors can be kind of reluctant to talk about it, uh, even after the surgery. And there are there are judgments that a surgeon will make, uh, you know, that are in the operating room kind of decisions about what exactly they're going to do. And you know, it's I've come to realize that it's it's more a process that might have a couple of steps to it and. You know, there's nothing, like I said, nothing wrong with that. And thank God it's not like a medically necessary um, kind of a thing. And as you, you know, afterwards, you know, final plan is, you know, you, you kind of learn to live with, you know, what you got and sort of love it for the way it is kind of a, a thing. Uh, so, and it's something that, you know, is, is, is part of your body. And it doesn't have to necessarily conform to, you know, an ideal or, you know, as much as you may live with an ideal, <laughs> you know, um, that there's enough individuality there that, uh, you know, but I, like I said, revisions are, are kind of a taboo subject in discussions about this, the, the especially if you're approaching it from the, the front end are hard to um, hard to understand and figure out. I, I'd be interested in other people's experiences about, about this subject because it's something that I haven't quite made up my mind about. Thank you for, for sharing that, Giselle. Um, we've, we've certainly had the gamut this evening of um, talking about, you know, prep through recovery. We've had some funny stories, but before we wrap anything up, 
I want to give everybody an opportunity if there's any last questions or thoughts or any last thing that you need and would like to share. Um, please feel free at this time. Are we all shared out? I got one final yeah, one. Over here. Um, it, the, the one thing I would like to say is your surgery is a big thing for you. And if you have the right surgeon, it's, they, they will take their care to care for you. I know after my surgery, um, of course the packing is in and the surgeon had to come and take the packing out four days later. And I sent my uh, girlfriend who came to stay with me for two weeks to care for me. I told her, I want you to go out and get a little piece of like red velvet carpet or whatever, you know, she did that. And I told her what I'm going to do when the surgeon comes to take the packing out, I was going to lay this red carpet thing between my legs. Like the surgeon was going down the red carpet. And then the other thing after I, she lifted up the the sheet to take it and she saw that she just fell out laughing i said hold up that ain't it and then i played the song by uh you know touch for the very first time and she just lost it that day so make it a little fun you know but <laughs> it was enjoyable and it's something my surgeon said she will never forget she said you're the first that's ever done that so i'm giving y'all all free will do that to your surgeon it'll be a blast for them <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I, I think that we have definitely seen tonight, you know, this is, this is an experience and I thank Giselle for what you were saying about revision. So, um, this obviously is something, it takes a journey to get here and to go through it. It takes a village to help you through it. I hope that we've provided some amazing support connections for people this evening. I did have a couple last comments from Linda Ann, who, again, if anyone like would like to reach out to her. Um, you know, and I, I liked her comment on only pursue surgery if it's truly right for you. Do not feel pressured. You know, so many trans folks never get surgery and lead very happy lives. And, you know, and we heard this evening from people who are talking about, you know, I may do this. I may not do that. We'll, we'll see. But whatever you do to your body is your business. Know that. Um, know in your soul, it is not going to be the most interesting thing about you. What's up here and in here is, and, um, you know, just live your life for you. Don't ever feel that pressure from anybody else. And, um, you know, I had to say, Karen, so that reminded me of the last thing from Linda talking about your girlfriend taking off two weeks to come hang out with you. Uh, that is a true friend. And if you find somebody out there that um, is maybe in the same stage as you, maybe they can help you and you can help them if you can take that time together. Linda had shared that, um, you know, if you, if you do have that resource of somebody who can commit to you for an extended period, please do it. It's critical. No matter how tough you think you are, your body will go through a lot and you'll need help. And fortunately, she had her bestie, Maggie Uber. Uh, with her and they've become such close friends as a result. And I think we've heard enough about the colander stuff tonight that if this is something you're helping somebody through this, I think you're going to become best friends afterwards. It's about as personal as you are going to get. Uh, but, you know, before we end tonight, I always want to let you know what is coming up for us. So uh, in wrapping up next week, we are not live. Uh, last year, we had a public Halloween party. This year, we're going to have a private one. So for our club members, 
Um, all our club members are welcome. You do not um, have to have signed a model release because this is not going to be streamed. It's not going to be on Zoom. It's just going to be in in house on Zoom. Nothing recorded. And uh, wear your best Halloween costume. We're going to have some fun and make a really great party of it. I cannot believe Halloween is next week. This is just flying by. And speaking of time flying, we have our um, book club has our club members have voted for the next book club discussion. And I think it's actually perfect timing with what we are discussing this evening. So go to Amazon or wherever you can find your local copy. Um, it is called It Never Goes Away, Gender Transition at a Mature Age uh, by Dr. Ann Koch. I hope I'm saying that right. Koch, Koch, Koch. Um, so it never goes away, gender transition at a mature age. We will be discussing that with our book club in December. And last but not least, uh, Grace has launched the first of our club member-led social initiatives for any of our members who are not available on Tuesday nights. Uh, the first Saturday morning of the month so far is our plan. Uh, gathering privately on Zoom for club members, again, not streamed or recorded. You can grab a cup of coffee, hang out, and have some girl talk. Uh, the next one will be Saturday morning, November 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so, you know, grab your coffee cup and we will have some fun together. If you would like to join our club, so we will be reopening our membership in November, send me an email, info at cassandrastorm.com, and we will add you to our wait list and make sure you know when our doors are reopening. And uh, we thank you for your patience as we've been preparing for that. Thank you everyone so much tonight. And um, just for a club member knowledge, um, we were not able to share a lot of specific medical information. We hope that we've provided enough friends and resources you can then reach out to. Uh, we wish you all the best of luck for um, wherever your journey may take you. And as Giselle said, whatever you do, be sure that you are your own advocate. Do your research, um, make sure you, it feels right here and that you are you know, ready for, for your journey. Thank you all. And uh, we will be having a Zoom follow-up in November for club members where we're not streamed and recorded, where we will be able to share kind of medical stuff in more detail. So looking forward to all of that with you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for all the laughs <laughs> and insight this evening, ladies. Wishing you all a beautiful night and best wishes for your own journeys. Good night, everybody. We love you. Thanks, Cass. We love you, too. Thank you, Cass. Just an information disclaimer. It's the first time we've shared one on the show. Uh, neither myself, Cassandra Storm, My Feminine Heart, Cassandra Storm Photography, Inc., nor any of the guests on this evening's show, Trans Tuesday, by My Feminine Heart, are medical experts. This is a forum for sharing advice to prepare for the mental, emotional, and physical aftermath of the trauma of surgery. The information on this show and in this Facebook chat, including but not limited to text, graphics, images, and other material contained are for informational purposes only. No information shared in this episode is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen and never disregard professional medical advice 
or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this episode. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.